Hello there and a warm welcome to the When in Spain podcast show. I'm Paul Birch and you might be thinking, uh, it's only Monday, why is there a new episode of When in Spain? Uh, Well, actually, um, I was reading through some emails of questions and recommendations that I had received uh, from some of you guys, the listeners, and I thought, well, why not put together a quick uh, episode uh, responding to these emails? Because I thought, well, my, uh, my advice and my suggestions may well be useful for other listeners as well. So that's what I've decided to do. There will be uh, the usual episode on Wednesday, which I mentioned in the last episode, which is about uh, a trip up into Asturias uh, with my fiance Karina, uh, talking a bit about uh, the landscape and the places we visit and also a bit of a mishap <laughs> that happened as well. So you'll hear all about that on uh, Wednesday. But today I just wanted to look at a couple of emails and uh, and I think a tweet or a message on um, Instagram that I got. So I'm going to start with an email from uh, somebody called David Gettler. I think that's, or I hope that's how <laughs> you pronounce your name. David Gettler uh, from Long Beach in California got in touch. He's a professional photographer. And him and his wife, as he says in his email, have visited Spain many, many times. They've been to lots of uh, Spanish cities and they are making a short trip to Madrid in November. And uh, David says, I was wondering if you could suggest some interesting things to do, see, eat or drink in Madrid that are not the typical tourist traps? Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, for people who are returning to Madrid uh, for subsequent visits, maybe you've seen all of the uh, main points of interest, you know, Plaza Mayor, you've seen the museums, you've been to the Prado, uh, the Reina Sofia, uh, the Thyssen, the what they call the Golden Triangle, the three major museums. If you've seen those, uh, maybe if you've uh, been to the Rotero Park and had a good walk around, if you've walked around the very centre of Madrid, Gran Vía, uh, the Royal Palace, the Plaza Oriente, uh, many, 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 I mean, there is quite a long list of tourist sites. I don't want to go through all of them. But yeah, it's a good question. On, a, on subsequent visits, when you don't want to see all the touristy spots again, uh, where else is there uh, that you can go and explore? Well, it is uh, a big city, Madrid. Uh, although the centre is very compact, um, I would suggest really getting out of the centre a bit more and going and exploring some of the uh, neighbourhoods, which border the centre of the city but aren't miles and miles and miles out of the city. So one of my first recommendations uh, for David, and I don't know if he's already been before, uh, he may have been. It is quite a common thing to do on a visit to Madrid, um, and it is somewhat touristy. However, it's something that the locals uh, do uh, as well, and that is uh, make a visit to the El Rastro, the Rastro Flea Market. Um, If you've never been before, it's absolutely 100% worthwhile. Uh, It takes place every Sunday morning, so you obviously have to be here on a Sunday. 
Sunday morning. Uh, it starts at about 9am and uh, they start packing up the market at about 3pm. Um, I absolutely love it. I live right next to it. It's a really interesting market. It's huge. It takes up, I'm, I don't know, probably around four or five streets. The main street being the um, Ribera de Cutiadores, which is a hill which kind of runs down from uh, La Latina Metro. And it's a real assault on the senses. Uh, bustling, noisy, lots of people. If you don't like crowds, then maybe not the best place to go. But if you like uh, seeing uh, really interesting bits and pieces to buy, uh, you can find almost anything there. There's antiques, clothes, homewares, arts and crafts, food. Um, it's, it's a really interesting place. And you can certainly easily spend a couple of hours wandering around. A lot of the shops in the neighbourhood... Uh, many of which are sort of bric-a-brac and antique shops pour all of their stuff out onto the pavements and there are some really bizarre stalls I mean uh, I've been to many flea markets in my life but I've never seen uh, anything quite like the Rastro you have people selling pots and pans people selling old telephones and typewriters you've got people selling elastic bands and there's another stall which always amazes me how it really managed to do much business. Uh, that is a store that sells all different types of sellotape or sticky tape in all different colours. Just just a stall, only selling that. <laughs> there are gardening stalls. There are stalls selling plants and cactuses. But anyway, it's really worth a visit. And the nice thing about it is if you... Uh, get a bit tired walking around after a couple of hours everyone fills up the tapas bars in the surrounding streets uh, towards the end of the market so when it starts winding down about two or three o'clock uh, you'll find that people go uh, for their tapas and uh, canyas and wine and so it's got a really lively atmosphere for a Sunday afternoon it's really good fun. The nearest metros are La Latina at the top of the market, the top of the hill, and uh, Embajadores, uh, which is at the bottom of the hill. Those are the two metro lines if you're catching the metro. My second recommendation for for David, uh, this is further south in the city, and it's called El Matadero. El Matadero. Uh, Matadero means slaughterhouse. Um, but don't worry, David, I'm not sending you to go and witness the slaughter of uh, pigs and cows. Um, it's a former 19th century uh, slaughterhouse, a huge red brick complex of buildings, uh, which has now been turned over to a contemporary art centre. And it hosts uh, exhibitions, uh, performances, live music, cinema, uh, most of which are free to go to. In fact, I think nearly everything that I've seen there has been free to attend. Um, so yeah, that's really worth a look if you want to. Yeah, I would suggest obviously checking out their website, see what events they've got going on. But it's an interesting complex of buildings to walk around. Um, it's a very large site of all different buildings um, so just to have a wander around there's a little bar there's some bars there there's a, a restaurant there you can have a look in even if there aren't any events going on you can have a look in some of the buildings and above some of the doors to the buildings they still have the names of the animals which were where they were kept so uh, above one doorway it might say bacas 
cows and, and another above another doorway it might say I don't know cerdos pigs or something like this so it's, it's curious history if you're just up for having a wander around and you want to do some wandering which I think really Madrid is is fantastic for uh, is just wandering people watching stopping having a coffee uh, continuing stopping having a beer people watching um, I would certainly recommend if you haven't been have a walk around the neighborhood called Lavapiés Interestingly, uh, in Time Out magazine, I think about a month ago, rated uh, Lava Pies, uh, which is part, technically part of the Embajadores neighbourhood. Uh, Time Out magazine rated Lava Pies the coolest or the most interesting neighbourhood in the world, above, I don't know, Williamsburg in the US and numerous other kind of hip, cool, hipstery places, um, which some people kind of got annoyed about. Um, but either way, it just goes to show that, yeah, it, it's sort of now on the map uh, a lot more than it used to be. And Lava Pies, really, the neighbourhood is when the first immigrants came to live in Madrid, this was where they came to. This was the neighbourhood uh, which has a long history of uh, uh, of multiculturalism. Um, you've got residents from Africa, North Africa, India, Pakistan, the Middle East. A real mixture of ethnicities uh, in Lava Pies, and that is reflected uh, really in the the shops that you see, uh, the restaurants. Um, so you can find some really quirky places to go and eat. Really great neighbourhood for bar and cafe hopping, and it's still got a real kind of local, real living neighbourhood feel to it as well. One little hidden gem: uh, if you like jazz, there is a fantastic secret jazz bar called Café El Despertar. Café El Despertar for uh, late night jazz. Uh, there's something really, really bizarre that I stumbled across a few months ago, and it is a small church dedicated to ducks. Yes, it's run by a former circus performer called Leo Bassi, and every Sunday morning he gives an alternative, uh, well, an atheist mass. Uh, and inside the tiny little church, he's surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of little uh, yellow rubber ducks. Uh, it's on a tiny little street called Travesia Primavera. And it's free to go to. Uh, it's very small, so it does get full up pretty quickly. But if you want something really strange, really wacky, really surreal, uh, go and check out um, Leo Bassi, Leo Bassi and his duck church. And again, that is in Lava P.S. Uh, also, while you're in the Lava PS neighborhood, I would also recommend a quick visit to the Mercado San Fernando. Uh, Mercado San Fernando is on Calle Embajadores, Embajadores Street, and it's a large indoor market. Uh, great for tapas. It's got bookstalls. It's got arts and crafts. And, you know, for that matter, if this is something you haven't done before and you're on a subsequent visit to Madrid... Go and check out all the indoor local neighbourhood markets. They're really interesting and you're going to get some really good quality produce there. Um, and it's just they're just really interesting places to wander around. Um, for me, they, they sort of hark back to a completely different time. Another one, if you're in the area in La Latina, is El Mercado de la Cebada, which I think I talk about in one of the early episodes uh, of the podcast. That's in La Latina. Uh, great everyday market for groceries. They've got a really nice... Uh, Binoteca, uh, which is like a wine store, and you can do a wine tasting there. You can 
take your glass of wine, buy your glass of wine, and then go wandering around the market buying produce as you sip your wine. How civilized. Uh, also, um, this is a bit Embajadores-centric. Um, it's not because I live in this neighborhood, but it, it does have lots of interesting alternative things to do. So yeah, also in uh, Embajadores is a place called La Tabacalera, which is a 200-year-old former cigar factory. And again, this has now been turned into an art and exhibition space. It's free to, to go into. The last time I went was quite a while ago. Uh, and I went with a friend of mine. Uh, we saw some wrestling matches in there. The main hall they turned over into a wrestling ring. But they have exhibitions and all sorts of things going on there as well. Uh, sitting outside, I mean, November, the weather should still be pretty nice uh, most of the time. Noticeably cooler. You might be unlucky and you could get the odd couple of days of uh, rainy days in November. But on the whole, it should still be sunny uh, in the afternoon if you're sat outside in the sun sunshine shouldn't really need to wrap up very warm at all um, so taking that into account if you're looking for a nice pretty square to sit down and sip a coffee but one that's a bit more off the beaten track uh, so let's not even think about Plaza Mayor uh, try a square called Plaza Olabide Plaza Olabide it's O-L-A-V-I-D-E and it's just to the north of La Malasaña neighborhood and it's one of my personally one of my favorite squares in Madrid uh, it's got a beautiful park in the middle and a fountain the square is completely surrounded by little cafes and bars of course with all the tables and chairs outside for their terrazas so it's a really nice place to go and sit and watch the world go by the nearest metros for Plaza Olabide is uh, Iglesia Metro Iglesia or Metro Quevedo. Quevedo. Uh, if you want something similar, and again, I suppose this is probably a little bit more touristy and you may have been there. Uh, but if you want something similar, sit down on a nice square and people watch. Then you could also check out Plaza Dos de Mayo. Plaza Dos de Mayo, uh, 2nd of May, uh, which is right in the heart of Malasaña. Uh, and is a fantastic place for, you know, people watching. Uh, they have little stalls selling various arts and crafts, quite often set up uh, around the square. There'll be people, kids playing football in the middle of the square. There'll be people um, sitting around, probably drinking cans of beer on the square as well groups of youngsters there'll be people playing music uh, so it's definitely uh, louder and more lively but it's really interesting and definitely worth it in the heart of Malasaña you know it's an absolute classic place I mean on a weekday afternoon it probably won't be too um, boisterous uh, but if you go on a Friday or Saturday night yeah it will be absolutely packed with people and, and pretty noisy. Uh, let's talk about tapas now it's pretty difficult to list names and names of restaurants um, but what I'm going to do is let's think about tapas if you're looking for a more modern take on tapas and I really mean the sort of atmosphere and the place rather than the tapas themselves you could try a place called Platea Madrid Platea P-L-A-T-E-A and this was a huge uh, cinema which was converted a few years ago into a ginormous food court and it quite often has live music. Inside the Platea Madrid uh, has several levels and a big mezzanine and it's all open plan and uh, they're all tapas, little tapas bars and tapas restaurants uh, and it's quite an interesting place. They are a little bit more expensive than the usual I would say 
And if you've got a bit of a cold or rainy day, it'll be a good place to go and spend an hour, sample some different tapas uh, and have a look around in there. Platea Madrid. Um, it's on Calle Goya, on Goya Street, and the nearest metro is Serrano, Metro Serrano. And while we're talking about uh, converted cinemas, uh, I discovered this one fairly recently and it's just around the corner from me and I didn't even know it was there. I'd walked past it and hadn't noticed it. Um, But yeah, another converted former cinema. Uh, This one actually used to be an X-rated pornographic cinema, I think, uh, up until the 1980s and then was shut down and then I think stood empty for quite a long time. But it's now also been uh, converted into a sort of bar cafe. They still show films, uh, not X-rated ones. And it's got a lovely, you walk in a great big open um, lobby area uh, with uh, seats and cushions and sofas. And you can eat tapas and they have uh, films showing on a big screen in there. That is on Calle Duque de Alba. And that is uh, really in La Latina. So the nearest metro is La Latina or Tierso de Molina. It's just off the main square of Tierso de Molina. However, if you just want to do a more traditional tapas uh, crawl, well, the obvious choice, I would say, is Cavabaja. Cavabaja is in La Latina. It's a long, narrow street, uh, absolutely flanked on both sides. Nearly every single doorway is a tapas bar or a tapas restaurant. Um, it, it is a bit touristy, to be fair, yeah. Um, but again, it's also a place where lots of locals go and have tapas too. Um, so if you want to do a tapas crawl and go and hop from one bar to the next, trying a different tapas in each place, uh, Cavabaja is a good street. Uh, it's C-A-V-A-B-A-J-A, Cavabaja, literally means the lower cave. There is a parallel street to it called Cava Alta, um, which is the higher cave. Um, Cava Alta doesn't really have many uh, bars on it. It has a couple of restaurants uh, and that's about it. But yes, Cavabaja for lots of cosy uh, little tapas joints. If you would like to do a bit more off the beaten path tapas crawl, then I would recommend heading up to the north of the city to a street called Calle de Ponzano. Ponzano, Calle de Ponzano. The nearest metro is called uh, Metro Alonso Cano. And you can work your way up or down Calle de Ponzano for some everyday really great tapas. So they're a bit more, you know, it's not so touristy. In fact, it's not really touristy at all, I wouldn't say. Just everyday, normal, good quality tapas bars. Outdoor spaces, parks. uh, Well, everyone always thinks of El Retiro, of course, which is absolutely beautiful. And, you know, if you've only been there once, I think the Retiro Park does warrant more than one visit. It's quite big. There are lots of different parts to the park. Um, But if you wanted something alternative, I would suggest maybe the Parque del Oeste, the Western Park, Parque del Oeste, which uh, is right near to the Moncloa Metro, which is right next to the Metro Moncloa, Moncloa Metro. And if the weather's good, what you could do is you can catch a cable car out to the Casa de Campo. Uh, it's a bit of a strange attraction, this one. Yeah, there is a uh, a cable car which goes from uh, just next to Parque del Oeste. Uh, it's about a 15-minute journey on a cable car out across uh, Madrid, takes you out to the Casa de Campo. Now, the Casa de Campo is a huge former royal hunting ground. And it's really good for walking or, or, or biking. 
Um, there isn't a huge amount to see there, to be honest. Um, it's pretty remote. Uh, there are uh, walking trails um, and things like that. But that's about it. You know, lots of trees and uh, nature, but not not a whole lot else. But I would say, you know, it's quite fun just to do just to take the cable car journey out there and get a different perspective on the city. It's quite impressive when you take the cable car from Parque del Oeste, looking back at Madrid, you get a really great view of the Royal Palace uh, and all of the skyline of Madrid. Um, and it's really cheap. I think it's like six euros return. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, talking about peaceful and quiet squares, uh, in the La Latina neighbourhood, uh, one of my favourite, favourite places to go and escape all the noise and hustle and bustle. Again, I think I took us there on an early episode of uh, When in Spain, the episode where I walk around La Latina. Uh, it's a tiny little square called, uh, well, it's more of a, a, an enclosed garden than a square, I suppose, and it's called El Jardín del Palacio del Príncipe de Anglona. So it's the Prince of Anglona Palace Gardens. The palace is not really, is not, it's still there, it's a very small palace, but it's been kind of walled off and separated from the gardens. But it's a beautiful place to go and sit. Uh, a really nice, pretty walled garden with little stone benches. It's very shady, but it's really pretty, well hidden, tucked away, quiet corner of Madrid. Um, museums. Well, as I said, you know, most people on their first visit to Madrid, I would imagine, would probably at least see one of the main key three museums, whether it be the uh, Prado or the Reina Sofia, or the Thyssen. Uh, of course, yeah, they are really all must-see museums. But if you're looking for something more alternative, there are many other museums in Madrid which people really don't seem to know about or overlook. First of all is the Museo de Geomenero, which is a geology museum. Uh, might sound a bit dry, uh, lots of old rocks, but, um, well, that's exactly what there is in the museum. Um, but more than anything, the the building itself is absolutely beautiful. Huge open auditorium with different uh, balcony levels and is really impressive glass ceiling, stained glass uh, ceiling with uh, the light, natural light coming through it. Uh, really beautiful. It's on Calle Rios Rosas um, and it's free to visit. Another alternative, Museo Ferrocarril, uh, is a train museum and it's actually located in an old 19th century train station and it has uh, a complete collection of historical locomotives, railway carriages you can look inside uh, and all sorts, of, all sorts of activities and workshops related to the railroad. Uh, that is on a street called Paseo de las Delicias in the south of the city. And the nearest metro is Arganzuela. Arganzuela, nearest metro. That's the railway museum. Another alternative, uh, Museo Sorolla, uh, is fine art. Uh, Sorolla uh, was one of the most sought-out uh, painters of his time, actually, uh, especially uh, amongst American high society. And uh, if uh, anyone's listening and is familiar with Louis Comfort Tiffany, the glass lamp uh, designer, uh, he, he commissioned and bought various paintings from Sorolla and uh, also commissioned a portrait from Sorolla as well. So if you'd like to see uh, the uh, artwork of Sorolla, Museo Sorolla is on Paseo del General Martinez Campos, uh, 
up in the north of the city in the neighbourhood called Chamberi, and the nearest metro is Metro Chamberi. If you're into illustration, uh, there is the Museo de Dibujo e Ilustración, the Drawing and Illustration Museum. This is a very modern museum, actually. The building was opened in 2014, I believe. And uh, it's actually built on the old site of the very first Mao Brewery, uh, which is uh, um, Madrid's local brand of beer, Mao. I knew I could squeeze in something to do with beer uh, somewhere um, but it's built on the site of the old Mal Brewery incidentally don't forget to look back if you haven't already and you're interested in uh, beer in Spain and brands check back for an episode all about uh, beer and how to order beer in Spain so yes it's a really interesting uh, architecturally very modern uh, it's like a sort of four-story cube um, with a couple of subterranean floors uh, as well uh, my last uh, alternative museum option will be the Museo de Traje. The Museo de Traje, uh, Traje means costumes. So it's a costume museum, opened about 15 years ago, and it's got an interesting collection of original costumes dating back to the 16th and 17th centuries. So if you're into old clothes, <laughs> very old, um, it's quite a fun museum, actually. Very impressive. Um, the, the Just really the level of detail and craftsmanship that used to go into making clothes. So there you go. There are a handful of alternative museum suggestions. Uh, one thing um, that I love doing myself is spending time in bookshops. A nice way to escape the hustle and bustle or if the weather's not too good. Um, my recommendation, one of my favourite bookshops, uh, which is right in the centre, um, which is and also quite easy to miss. It's right near Metro, uh, Metro Callao just on the street, just off Gran Via, and it's called La Centrale. La Centrale. It's absolutely beautiful. It's got about three or four stories inside, old wooden staircases, and um, yeah, really good, fantastic selection of books, uh, all different subjects. The other lovely thing about it is it's got a really good um, little cafe uh, d- uh, downstairs as well so if you just want to relax with a cup of coffee uh, and they do some good uh, sandwiches and snacks as well uh, it's really nice a bit of peace and quiet so i hope that's useful for you david uh, ahead of your trip uh, in november and obviously if anyone else is making a trip to madrid and want uh, some alternative suggestions there you have it uh, another message I got uh, a couple of days ago, actually, uh, from Jennifer, Jennifer Hartman, uh, asking uh, some advice about uh, moving and living in, well, moving to Barcelona and living there. Um, so if there's any listeners who uh, are living, who've made the move to Barcelona and have any advice about uh, where to live, um, these kinds of things, uh, job hunting, uh some insights into what it's actually like to live in the city uh, feel free to get in touch with Jennifer she's on the Facebook uh, when in Spain Facebook group my personal piece of advice would be to learn a bit of Catalan why do I say that well yeah it's true most people well everybody in Barcelona speaks Spanish or Castellano but I'm basing this on a personal experience of a friend of mine in fact, the, the friend of mine who I went to visit up on the Ave uh, 
uh, in the last episode. Uh, he'd been living there a couple of years. He speaks good Spanish. Um, he had no problem using Spanish to communicate in everyday uh, life, you know, whether you're outside um, ordering food or in a bar or in a shop or just stuff like anything like that. No problem using Spanish in Barcelona. Um, but after a couple of years and once you get a bit more integrated into the culture there and you start making friends who are from Catalonia or from Barcelona, which is his case. And also in his case, he uh, has a Catalan girlfriend as well. He's realized that, yes, you actually do need really to at least uh, be able to understand uh, some basic Catalan. Um, so based on his experience, that would be my advice to you, Jennifer. And I know we've already chatted about this on the Facebook group. Uh, learn a bit of Catalan um, because inevitably, if you're looking to settle down in Barcelona uh, long term, inevitably you will make, I would imagine, Catalan friends. And uh, yeah, what happens is when you go out and socialize as a, as a group, Catalans will speak in Catalan to each other because uh, it's very natural for them to do so, which, as uh, in my friend's case, leaves you a bit sort of stuck on the outside, not really understanding what's being said. Uh, so, yeah, learn a bit of basic Catalan. Uh, as I understand, the Catalan government, the regional government in Catalonia, do offer free Catalan lessons to anybody who wants to learn it. Uh, I also got another question from, uh, I can't remember your name, I'm really sorry, I think it was a tweet or a message on Instagram asking me if in the future I was going to do an episode about healthcare in Spain. So anyone who's thinking of coming here to uh, move here to live or to retire, uh, what are the healthcare options? Well, yeah, um, in terms of insurance and that kind of thing. Uh, thank you for your message. Yes, this is a really good one, actually, and really important. I will, in the future, in a not too distant future, I hope, uh, produce a how-to guide episode about healthcare in Spain. Uh, and I will look more generally also about the healthcare system in Spain and how it works, uh, what you need to do when you first arrive to get yourself registered, depending on where you come from. And of course, yeah, look at private healthcare options as well, private healthcare insurance, of which there are tons and tons in Spain. So yes, I will produce an episode about that in the future. Thank you. So there you go. There's a little bonus episode for you uh, answering a few questions from listeners. Um, I could make this a regular thing if people uh, keep sending me questions and uh, asking for advice and things like this. Uh, rather than respond by email, uh, we could produce a little bonus show every every few weeks uh, answering the questions so that everybody can hear them. Uh, I think that may be a better idea, actually. Uh, one other thing, I would like to maybe get your feedback on this as listeners. Uh, I was talking to my Spanish teacher about my podcast uh, last week. Uh, she is a listener. Yeah, I still have Spanish lessons. <laughs> still need to have Spanish lessons. Um, but she said to me, why don't I produce an episode or two in Spanish? And I could do. I, I have the level to be able to do that just about with a bit of preparation, I suppose. I don't know. I would be happy to do that. How useful would it be for you guys, the listeners? Uh, I was thinking maybe I could um, do half an episode in Spanish and then post uh, the vocabulary and phrases uh, to accompany it and then do the other half in English. Or I could uh, produce a podcast that I've done already 
but just re- reproduce it in Spanish. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions and your thoughts on this. But yeah, it's something that we could do. Uh, could be fun. Could be a useful uh, learning tool for anyone uh, out there who's uh, learning and improving their Spanish. Uh, so let me know uh, in the usual way. Uh, Outlook, you can get me on when in Spain one at outlook.com. Uh, you can find the when in Spain page on Facebook. The handle is when in Spain. And then via the page, you can click through and uh, visit the group and join the when in Spain group, which again is when in Spain. You just click on the uh, join group button. And I think we've got about. Uh, ooh, about 80-something members at the moment. We usually get a few new members each each every couple of days, so that's great that people keep joining. It's a place to share your uh, comments, ideas, articles, messages, and questions with the rest of the group. Uh, so don't be uh, shy. Get in touch with anyone on there. As I said before, you can find photos that relate to the various episodes on Instagram. The handle is uh, at wheninspain1. And finally, you can also tweet me on Twitter. Uh, the handle is at when underscore in underscore Spain. So at when space in space Spain. When in Spain. Find me on Twitter. If you want to tweet or um, uh, message me directly on Twitter, feel free to do so. I will leave it there for Monday, beginning of the week. Ugh. Uh, have a good start to the week, everyone. And by the time you hear from me again, at least we will be halfway through the week. Okay, until then, take care. Hasta luego. Mm-hmm.